Good morning. Grace and peace to you. Jimmy, thank you for the songs. Uh, not many songs go with the topic of authority. But I think that last one there was very good. When you crown him Lord, <coughs> we're accepting him as Lord. And we are submitting to his authority. And uh, I don't know about you, but I know about me. I would not want to submit to anybody else's authority. I want you to think about that. And that's what this lesson is about. Luke 20. Sometimes we think of authority as a bad thing. You know, we are, as the scripture was read by Don, sinners. And that's when Christ died for us. We're still sinners. But part of being sinners is the fact that we're rebels. And uh, someone has said that Behind every sin is a lie, and that's a possibility. I've studied that out a little bit. Uh, it might be true, but I know for sure behind every sin is rebellion against the authority of God. That is a fact, and it's just kind of our nature to want to be independent and just do what we want. That's part of the problem we have that we have that knowledge of good and evil. And so the, much of the real struggle of being a Christian is bringing ourselves under the authority of Jesus and listening to him and only to him and to no one else. Not even me. Not even what I want to do. Luke 20, 1 to 2. On one of the days while he was teaching the people in the temple and preaching the gospel, the chief priests and the scribes with the elders confronted him. Nothing new there. And they spoke, saying to him, Tell us by what authority you are doing these things. Or who is the one who gave you this authority? The word authority connects with the word power. Some translations use the word power. In the Greek, the same word, it's the same word in the Greek, power and authority. Sometimes today we would use the word right. What, what right do you have to do this? Now these chief priests here and scribes, actually it's a legitimate question. It really is, because they were responsible for what went on in the temple. And they were responsible for the religious affairs, okay? Now, I don't know if they were really sincere. They were trying to trap Jesus with this particular question, but the question is a right question to ask. What gives you the right to do what you do? You know, when Jesus taught, he taught things that weren't right in line with what the scribes and Pharisees taught, and these chief priests. 
and he cast out demons, he healed, and you remember when he came into the temple and overturned the money changers' tables and drove out the, uh, all the sacrifices there, the animals? What right do you have to do these things? You're just disrupting everything. And so it's a good question. It's a question we want to explore today. What right do you or do I have to do anything? You ever think about it? In today's uh, society here, uh, it seems like the concept of authority is lost on many people. Authority is regularly misused and abused by those who have authority, those who are in power. And just, I don't know if this is a blessing from God for this lesson or not, just this week, how many, last couple of weeks, how many people have we seen in the news who have abused their authority, their position of power out there in Hollywood, all these things coming to light that, well, you've got to go see the director if you want to get a part in this, uh, in this movie. You know what I'm talking about. And now even in our own Congress, we've got this kind of stuff going on. It's, abuse of, uh, it's not only abuse of authority, but that's a lot of what it is. Besides being out of control, totally uh, misunderstanding what sex is all about. And then, authority is also being regularly resisted and ignored by people. People just disobeying the law, workplace regulations, riots, disobeying uh, rules about property, destruction of property. You know, that's all abuse of authority. I just was thinking about this, you know, when you get the little uh, driver's license, okay, that means the state has given you authority to drive an automobile. That's what that's all about. You are now licensed to drive. But you are to drive how? Using the rules of the state right? That's their authority to set those rules. And I would just, this is one of my little pet peeves. And I'm not a perfect driver, but you know, speed limits, more and more, man, ignored. That's a disrespect of authority. Parking on the yellow lines, it all the time. Some people think, well, you know, I'm only going to be here 10 minutes, so it doesn't matter, right? You ever do that? I'm only going to be here 10 minutes so I can park on a yellow line. Stop signs? You know, the old, just slow down a little bit. Turn signals? Wow. I don't have to say anything about that, right? Uh-huh. Guilty? That's the, uh, that brings up the old, uh, <coughs> excuse me, 
You know, when the tree falls in the forest and nobody's there, is there any sound? You know, when, when there's no traffic on the road, do you have to use your turn signals? We'll not debate that. What about seat belts? How many times you read about these accidents, somebody rolls a car over, and what do they say? The seat belt was not in use, and that's usually when somebody dies. And then the OVI, operating the vehicle under the influence. We know we're not supposed to do it, but how many people do? Oh, I only have to drive three miles, right? See, disrespect of authority. Very small, but, you know, when we have that in us, it leads to disrespect of larger things. Okay, I don't think we realize it, but authority is absolutely necessary. It's a good thing, because if we didn't have authority, if we didn't have rules, we would have chaos and anarchy. And I don't think anybody wants that. Uh, in some places you read in history where governments, you know, were destroyed, they fell apart, and there was a period of anarchy, and it's just crazy. You know, there's no rules. Whoever has the power, whoever, you know, has the guns or whatever it is, they rule. There's abuse unlimited. Authority is necessary to provide limits for acceptable and unacceptable behavior. What can you do? What can you not do that's acceptable? So let's take a brief look here. Let's turn to Romans 13. The origin of authority, and here in the context of this, Paul is talking about civil authorities, governments, but he, he states uh, a fact here that we need to all understand. Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities. All right, we've kind of been talking about that. We are to be in subjection to them. That is God's commandment. For there is no authority except from God. And those which exist are established by God. All right? So God has all authority. He has authority by right of being the creator. It's his world. It's his planet. We are his creation. The human race is his creation. And he has the right to establish the rules by which we live. You can't argue that unless you don't believe in God. He has the right to do that. And he has established civil authorities for our own good, for our own protection. You can read uh, you know, the next seven or so verses there to see that the civil authority bears the sword against those who would harm others. It's for the protection of those who do what's right. In verse 2 he says, Therefore whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God. And they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. So he's talking here about civil authority, but you know the principle applies for moral authority. 
All authority exists with God and religious, religious authority, if you want to use that term separate, spiritual things, it all exists with God. He has that right to say what's right and what's wrong. He has a right to say how, I want, how he wants to be worshipped. And he has told us that. When, uh, back in Genesis, and we're not going to turn there, and he created the, the earth, and he put the first pair there, and he gave them commandment. He said what? Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And then what did he say? Have dominion. Or another, some translation said, and rule over the animals that I made. And so he gave mankind the authority over the planet to go, explore it, make good use of it, rule over it. We were given that authority. So any, any authority that anyone has, whether it's a civil authority as we're talking here, here comes from God. God says the husband is the head of the wife. The husband has authority in the home, the final authority. That's, the rule, that's God's design. Elders are given responsibility over congregation, and they're also given the authority under the word of God to shepherd that flock. That's God's design. Let's go to John 19 just to see one, one example of this, and then we'll move on. Here we have Jesus before Pilate. And Jesus even acknowledges this as he, as he lives there. Of course, he's the son of God. You know, he's got authority as God. But in being the son of man and becoming one of us, he submitted to the rules, didn't he? The rules that God had established here. John 19.10, he says, So Pilate said to him, you know, he's there before Pilate, You do not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and I have authority to crucify you? And that was true. He was the governor. He was the civil authority and he had that right under the laws. And if you will, God had given him that right as a civil authority. And look what Jesus says. You would have no authority over me unless it had been given you from above. Obviously a true statement, but he's talking about the fact that Pilate is the governor. God established civil governments. That's all he's saying there. He said, do you recognize who gave you the authority to be in charge here? And to say who gets, you know, thumbs up or thumbs down? It's from God. But then what does he say? For this reason, he who delivered me to you has the greater sin. Now, I thought about that a little bit, and some of you can weigh in on this with me later. I don't know if he's referring to Caiaphas and the mock trial, if you will, they had before the Sanhedrin, which did not really give them the authority to condemn Jesus because there was no evidence, or whether it was Judas he's talking about who betrayed him, who obviously did not have the right to do that. 
So either one of those in my book, that becomes the greater sin because they did not have the authority to do what they did. Pilate does as the civil authority. So just one example of what we're talking about. Let's go to John 8. Let's talk about Jesus' authority. And we're going to start with him while he was on the earth. And he understood this concept of authority while he was living in this, in this body of flesh and during his ministry. John 8, 25. So they were saying to him, Who are you? And Jesus said to them, What I've been saying to you from the beginning. I have many things to speak and to judge concerning you, but he who sent me is true, and the things which I heard from him, these I speak to the world. They did not realize he had been speaking to them about the Father. Now here the word authority or right is not being used, but look what Jesus is saying. He's saying, what I hear from the Father, that's what I speak. In other words, I acknowledge that my Father is the one who's in charge here, and I'm not going to go outside of anything he says. Whatever he tells me to say, that's what I'm going to say. 28. So Jesus said, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and I do nothing on my own, or as this translation has, my own initiative, but I speak these things as the Father taught me. Again, looking to the Father, I'm, I'm just saying what he said. I'm not making this up. I'm not out here flying on my own. And he who sent me is with me, has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. So there again we see Jesus submitting himself to the Father and saying, I don't only do what's pleasing to my Father. I only do what, say what he says to say. So he understood this concept that God was in charge. The Father was over everything and even over him to direct him in what he said and what he did. He was not a, a, a loose cannon rabbi just running around doing crazy stuff. He was not. Okay, let's go to Luke 4. 31. And he came to Capernaum, a city of Galilee. He was teaching them on the Sabbath, and they were amazed at his teaching, for his message was with authority. This could have been the way he spoke, but I also think it was what he said, because as I understand, I looked at some uh, commentators on this idea, that most of the time when these rabbis of the day talked, they always referenced some other rabbi. They say, Rabbi so-and-so said this, or Rabbi so-and-so said that, or according to Rabbi so-and-so. Jesus doesn't cite any rabbis. He just says it. This is the way it is. He's speaking with authority. Like, he is the authority. That's the point. And so that was his message, with authority. In the synagogue, there was a man possessed by the spirit of an unclean demon. He cried out with a loud voice, let us alone. What business do we have with each other, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, 
The Holy One of God. I always find that most interesting. That the demons knew who Jesus was. And they listened to him. Think about it. These evil spirits listened to Jesus and they did exactly what he said. Because they knew who he was. They respected his authority as a son of God. Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in the midst of the people, he came out of him without doing him any harm. There it is. Isn't that amazing? James talks about, you know, people saying they believe, and he says, oh, even the demons believe and tremble. Here even demons do what Jesus says to do. But how many of us fight Jesus and don't want to do what he says? We want to live our lives differently from the way he says to live it. Powerful lessons from evil spirits. And amazement came upon them all, and they began talking with one another, saying, What is this message? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. That's the power, the authority Jesus had. In Mark 2, and we we looked uh, extensively at this last week, and I'm not going to dwell on it. When Jesus uh, healed the paralytic, it was let down through the roof. Hopefully you remember that from seven days ago. And he healed him, but he healed him in order to prove a point, not just that he could heal, but if you recall there in Mark 2, 10 and 11, so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, get up, pick up your pallet, and go home. And that's what exactly he did. So he had that authority as God to forgive sins. And now let's go to John 10. And this is an interesting, uh, interesting scripture here, and it'll cause, uh, I'm going to challenge you with a thought here. To think about something. John 10, 17. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it again. Okay, he's talking about his death and dying on the cross as a propitiation for our sins. No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. In other words, this is my own doing, obviously with what the Father said to do. I have authority to lay it down. Okay? And I have authority to take it up again. This commandment I receive from my Father. All right? So again, this is all under the, the Lordship, if you will, of, of God, the Father. And he says, Jesus, this is what you can do. And I've thought about that. I have authority to lay it down. Was he just talking about submitting to the civil authorities like we saw there before Pilate and allowing them to crucify him? I think that was part of it. I have authority to take it up again. But if, if you just think about it, John 19.30, I'm not going to turn there, 
but the scripture there says he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. He gave it up. You know, Jesus hadn't sinned. And the consequence of sin is death, isn't it? But Jesus hadn't sinned. Right? And God cannot die, right? Yes? God's eternal, right? So when we see he's been given authority to lay down his life, and he gives up his spirit. I just want you to think about that. Did they really put him to death? Or did he just give up his spirit because that's what he was supposed to do to die for us? I want you to think about that. Anyway, he was given that authority to lay down his life and to take it up again. God gave him that authority. Then Matthew 28, one we're most probably most familiar with when it comes to authority, after he had laid down his life, took it up again, was raised from the dead, after his time with the disciples and appearing to, as uh, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, the various apostles and then 500 brethren at once, he ascended back to the Father, but he says there in Matthew 28:18, Jesus came, spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. All authority. He was God, but now as Son of Man, Jesus recovers the authority that the human race lost when we obeyed the devil back in the garden and listened to his voice. Because Jesus lived his whole life without listening to the devil, didn't he? He did not commit sin. He did not listen to the devil. And so, you know, this is part of the whole recreation thing, that he recovers what we lost as, a, as human beings. Okay? He has all authority. He conquered Hades conquered death. We read that in Revelation 1. I have the keys of Hades and of death. They're mine now. I overcame them. I have authority over them. Understand that. That's what that means. I have authority over that now. And he has authority over all things. Jesus, even as Revelation says also, ruler of the kings of the earth. He rules now at the right hand of the Father. 1 Corinthians 15, you can read that, and it talks about he's bringing all enemies now under his feet. The last one to be destroyed will be death. And then he's going to return all of this kingdom, all of his authority back to the Father so that God may be all in all. So history is moving in a direction. We might not see it ourselves because we're just here for a little bit of time. But the scriptures plainly tell us that. This is what's happening. What about us as Christians? As we kind of wrap this up, let's go to Ephesians chapter 1. And I want us to see that, you know, authority 
is a, is a good thing. Because authority establishes limits for us, if you will. Where we should not go, but also where we should go. All right? Let's read here in Ephesians 1, starting with 19. I know we're jumping right in the middle of Paul's prayer, but let's pick it up. And he says, What is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead, seated him in his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. I think there's a, a reference to all those cosmic forces that exist that we battle against. There we read about later on in Ephesians. He's far above them. He's overcome them all. And every name that is named, and not only in this age, but also in the one to come, there's an exciting thought. Do you ever think about it? There is an age to come. And Jesus is over that, too. So much here. So much here to grasp. And he put all things in subjection under his feet. There's another thought. The authority of Christ. Given all authority. And gave him his head over all things to the church. He is the head of the church. There is no other head of the church. Which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And that's you and me. If we are, in fact, in Christ. We are his body. And he is the head. And so the body should listen to the head, right? And do what the head says. It's that simple. So, uh, as Christians, as we obey the lordship of Christ, the headship of Christ, obey him, we have to have authority to do it. We need to have authority to teach it. This is why we search the scripture. Because there's no other place to find out what is authorized by Jesus than in his book, the word of God. Don't make me go back to John 1. The word of God. The only place. There is no other place to find his authority. So what we find there, how to be saved, right? Now we have to search it all out. We just can't take two or three scriptures and say, oh, this is all there is. We have to search it all out. How is the church organized? What, who, what constitutes a marriage? You know? Today we have some people saying, oh, you know what? Two men, two guys can be a, a, a husband and wife. Is there any authority in Scripture for that? You see, that's the question to ask. Rearing children, how do you do it? Some parents want to say, oh, we'll, we'll not discipline our kids. Uh-huh. Where do you get that authority? That's not what Jesus said, is it? Not at all. Personal spiritual growth, maturing. How to get peace and joy. Oh, I keep pointing people to Philippians chapter 4. So many of us need to be at peace and have the joy of the Lord. And we just keep missing it because we try to look for happiness in other things. And we're so disappointed with life. 
morality, what is right and wrong. The world's a mess with that, isn't it? Everybody making up their own rules about what I can do and what you can do. Relationships, how to love one another. Good works, what are good works? And now from a positive standpoint, you know, sometimes we always look at authority and say, well, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do this. Well, yes, that's true. There are some things we should not be involved in. But then Jesus authorizes us, if you will, okay, we don't usually look at it this way. Jesus authorizes us to love one another. He said, you can go love one another, right? I want you to do this. That's by his authority. Be kind to one another. I authorize you to be kind, to be compassionate, to help the needy, to forgive one another. I authorize you to do that. Isn't that amazing? Do we ever look at it that way? I'm giving you the authority to be good people, to be like me. There's a little song, Don, from last year. Fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I authorize all that. Go out and do it. Christians welcome the authority and the lordship of Christ. It's a good thing. He tells us how to have peace, to be joyful, to have fulfilled lives. Lives that we can, you know, at night we can lay down, go to sleep, and, and we can rest. And we say, you know, it was a good day. Now, I'm not saying you're not going to have harsh things happen to you, that Satan's not still around, but you did what the Lord wanted you to do. You gave it your all. And when you failed, you said, Lord, forgive me, and you know he forgave you because of what he said in the book, and you move on. You're at peace. He's a wonderful Lord. We wrap up now. If anyone this morning is in need of prayer, anything we've said this morning has touched your heart and need prayer for any reason. We're here, we can pray for one another. Something happening in your life, maybe Satan's really pushing in on you. You need extra prayer today. We'll pray with you and pray for you. If you're not a Christian, if you're not, if you're not in Christ, if, uh, I've started to see this more and more. If you've not been baptized into Christ, I think that is something so important we need to start saying. Not just that you have been baptized, but baptized into Christ. Because that's how we get into Christ, where all the blessings are. If you've never had that happen with you, we could help you do that today. And you could accept not only the salvation, but the lordship, the authority of Jesus in your life to direct and guide you home. If you want to respond this morning, please come while we stand and sing.